0: Hi, and welcome to the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Manny Emanuel. And I'm Sam Reimer. Hello, good sir.
1: You know, tonight's show is really a testament to just how much I do enjoy this, because the Game 5 of the Stanley Cup is currently on, and I'm missing it to record this with you. It's in the third period, and the caps just went up. It's looking <laughs> like uh last six minutes of the game, they're probably going to take it. So, uh, hello to the... Uh, 2018 Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals if uh, uh if you're listening to this 6 6 minutes or more in the future which everyone will be
0: <laughs> Stanley Cup that's uh that's college football
1: Yeah, that's college football. Ah, okay. Perfect. You know you're the only ex hockey fan I've ever met, I think. <laughs> Most people like I've met ex Canucks fans, there are plenty of those in BC Oh, yes, there are. right now. I've never met an ex hockey fan before.
0: I know. I was actually out at the uh... I was at a pub last night with a friend of mine um, visiting from out of town. I hadn't seen him in, honestly, like maybe eight, nine years. Yeah. So excited to see him. And this girl walks over who uh, I know, but I don't remember her name. <laughs> I barely know her. But she comes over and starts talking to us. And because I didn't remember her name, I didn't introduce her to my friend Brandon. And she starts talking hockey. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at her, i like, I don't care. <laughs> and she keeps talking but Brandon's a big hockey fan. He actually I think he's if I'm not mistaken I think he said he was at game 1. No. He uh he went to one of the uh Jets Knights games in Winnipeg. Awesome. That yeah. was going to be great. Yeah. And um she kept talking and I said I'm like you realize I'm like I don't like hockey and she's like oh you're, you're not a you're like she said you're like not a like fuck one of the teams. Didn't you used to be like a Senators fan, or like I was kind of like I was a Penguins fan until Lemieux retired, right? And then this is the funny thing: people always hockey fans love this fucking story. Yeah. So when Lemieux, Lemieux retired, I was like, okay, I need to find an. I just didn't care about the Penguins. Like without him there, I was like, okay. And the only reason I liked the Penguins was because of Lemieux. Yeah. So there was this kid coming up that everyone said could be the next Mario Lemieux, and I was like, whatever team drafts him. I'm going to cheer for him. (laughs) That fine gentleman's name who was rocketing his way to the Hall of Fame was Alexander Dagg.
1: Wah, wah. (laughs) I thought you were going to say it was Sidney Crosby, and you were going to cheer for the same team. No. Alexander Dagg.
0: No. That's Um, hilarious. But that was also around the same time I got really back into baseball, you know, early 2000s. Uh, Hockey was horse shit because of the trap. Um, It was just not fun to watch, so I... As soon as Lemieux retired, I fucking kissed it goodbye and never looked back.
1: And now you just talk about baseball and movies all
0: day. Fucking rights. Fucking (laughs) rights, yeah. Yeah, and she was stunned last night. What do you mean you don't like hockey? I'm like, I don't fucking like hockey. And Brandon's just laughing. He's like, she's like, he's like, you're talking to the wrong person about hockey. I'm like, I don't even know who the fuck you're talking about. I don't give a shit. Can you please go away?
1: So to the two of you still listening, hello and welcome to the Samuel Miracle <laughs> Movie Podcast. <laughs> we are happy to have your ears.
0: <laughs> we are happy.
1: We always end up doing this. We always end up going on a rant about baseball or hockey for like two minutes. And we're like, oh shit, we're actually supposed to be talking about, we have an agenda
0: to talk about. Tonight. Yes, we do. <laughs> and tonight's agenda is the 79th Annual Academy Awards. And
1: what an Academy Awards it was. Oh, according, to, <laughs> according, to my, <laughs> according to my podcast po- partner here, uh, it is the worst year in film ever, or arguably. arguably. I,
0: I haven't really done the research, but yeah. just a general look back, because I've kind of lo- been looking ahead at the other shows we're going to do with this format, where we look at the what we're going to be doing tonight, reviewing the uh, five Best Picture winners, and then reassessing now, eleven years later, which one we think should be the best picture with eleven years hindsight, um, and this is easily the one that I was looking forward to the least. These five best picture nominees, I think, might not even crack being nominated in any other year. Like these are. So,
1: so here we are getting people excited for today. <laughs> <episode. laughs> for the record. One of the movies, which, of course, I won't reveal yet. We'll leave you in anticipation. One of the movies that we were supposed to watch this week is, off the top of my head, probably one of my top ten favorite of all time. Um, Pretty
0: sure I know which one.
1: Manny knows which one it is, of course, <laughs> but our listeners don't. And, you know, if you reveal everything off the bat, uh, the ones that survived through the hockey talk might not survive through just having everything spoiled for them. Yes,
0: and me so, totally yeah, shitting of- on this episode as well. they <laughs> All, f- all two of you that are still listening, we hope you enjoy the show.
1: We're really great at the self promo stuff, aren't we? <laughs> we really are. <laughs> but yeah, one of the five movies we're talking about today is probably a top ten all time for me. The other four, there's at least two others that I like. Pr- uh, really enjoyed on this list, and they're, yeah, they're they are a couple weak ones. I'm not gonna lie, there. And I won't. I wouldn't go as far as to say any of these movies are bad. Honestly, I just there's maybe one that I was checking my watch a couple of times but uh over overall these movies are good they're just you know the first episode that we did on this was such a such a huge (sighs) behemoth lineup of movies arguably two of the greatest movies of the 20th century there will be blood and no country for old men were two of the ones we covered in the last episode uh as well as a great little indie comedy flick juno and uh i'm forgetting the other two atonement and
0: michael clayton And Michael Clayton, yeah. So really good lineup last time. Fucking fantastic lineup.
1: This time around, still a pretty good lineup. No, I
0: wouldn't say uh, that. I would not not say a pretty good lineup. Nope, not at all.
1: As far as best pictures go, yeah, it's not great. But but as far as movies go, there's still some enjoyable ones. So we have, uh, in alphabetical order, Babel, The Departed, Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen.
0: Perfect. (laughs) So let's let's dive right in. We are going to go through each one alphabetically. Uh, We're going to start with... Babel. Um, Babel was directed by Alejandro G. Inarritu, and you
1: nailed it. You nailed the pronunciation. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Written by uh, Guillermo Arriaga. Uh, it finished with a two. huh? Two for two. Not nice. Uh, it finished with a 69 Metascore. That is not fucking good.
1: That's for a for a best picture nominee. That's very surprising. Yeah. I think the first round of movies that we did on this, there wasn't one below like eighty seven. Yeah, I think Atonement was the lowest, with maybe an eighty six or eighty seven. I it? think
0: so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it had a twenty five million dollar budget. Uh, it grossed a whopping thirty four million domestic, and then it actually shocked me because it got up to one thirty four worldwide. Really? Uh, yeah.
1: It doesn't I, I guess that kind of makes sense when you think about it because this movie does sort of have a lot of different settings worldwide. Part of it uh, takes place in Morocco, part in Mexico, part in the United States. Um, But yeah, I guess it sort of makes sense, the the worldwide gross on this a little bit.
0: The quick plot synopsis, and this is the most bare bones plot synopsis on this movie, uh, tragedy strikes a married couple on vacation in the Moroccan desert, touching off an interlocking story involving four different families. Right. (sighs)
1: So, uh, I'm I'm glad we're I'm really glad we're starting with this movie actually. I'm yeah, glad we're I'm, I'm out of the way.
0: I'm hoping that everyone will tolerate listening through this ep- this part of the episode because this ep- this part of the episode is going to be the weakest because I fucking hate this movie.
1: <laughs> I'm fine with keeping this part short cuz uh Fuck. I I watched this movie today. This is the last movie that I had to watch. I watched all 5 this week and uh this was the last one. I was dreading it cuz I knew you hated this movie. Mm-hmm. And I left it till the end and uh I tried to go into it with an open mind because I think I liked Atonement slightly better than you did. You had me like really thinking like, oh, Atonement's going to be this piece of shit movie. It wasn't that bad. It was pretty good, I thought. But like.
0: Uh, Circling back to Atonement. Yeah. um, My memory of it when I saw it in the theater was definitely less. Rewatching Atonement, I actually really see the value and why it got that uh, Best Picture nomination. So rewatching Atonement really made me appreciate it a lot more. Rewatching Babel, I fucking <laughs> dreaded doing it, and as I was doing it, I was like, "This is fucking horseshit." Yeah, now-
1: well, I was trying to go into it with an open mind, right? Because I was like, "Okay, like it's, maybe it's not as bad as he says it is." Because I think you said it's like it's a it's a fucking snooze, and like <sighs> it doesn't make any sense. That I was I, I was going in optimistic, and yeah, I honestly really disliked this movie. I I was. Checking my watch. I can see why it got nominated. Oh, another you, reason why... You I, can?
0: You can? Please, well, enlight, please enlighten me.
1: <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, I would like to say it's because it's Alejandro Iñárritu, uh, or however it is you say his name.
0: <laughs> Alejandro like Ineritu.
1: But at the time this movie came out, he didn't have the pedigree that he has today. When Correct. I saw that it was him who directed this, I actually got excited. I was like, whoa, I get to... I can't believe Manny doesn't like this movie. It's an Alejandro and Yuritu movie, and of course he directed Birdman, which is a fantastic movie and one best picture. He directed uh, The Revenant, which is another beautiful movie, fantastic film, best picture. Um, But uh, so I was really, really excited to watch this movie, and it wasn't good. Mm. So what I mean by I can see why it was nominated for best picture is it seems very much like the type of movie uh, that maybe wouldn't get nominated but at least would be in consideration it's very emotional a lot of acting scenes the the cinematography and the camera work is all very good in my opinion uh it's a very good looking movie but it's a snooze it's boring it's oh, sorry you you were nope, to I was
0: I was just about to make a point as you were finishing yours and I know yeah, sure. I know that I it looked like I was about to cut you off yeah so th- um it did win Best Original Score. Honestly, I don't remember the score, so I can't, I can't talk about it.
1: Honestly, I, I checked after the fact uh, to see if it had been nominated for score, and yeah, it had won. Honestly, I was a fan of it. That was one of the highlights for me. I thought the score was very well done. It was pretty uh, multicultural in mm-hmm. the uh, scenes in Morocco. The, the score sort of changes depending on their location. Uh, in Morocco in particular, it was a really nice acoustic guitar score, which I think uh, worked with the movie really nicely. Um, it can get repetitive and a little boring because uh, the the score itself is pretty much just an acoustic guitar in those parts. So it can sort of add to the boredom of the movie as they overdo it a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, the the music itself is quite good, in my opinion.
0: I honestly don't remember it, and that's odd because I really like I like I always love scores, but it, I don't remember it. Um, the one nomination it, it got. Uh, it did get a, a couple other ones, but the one that I think it deserved the most was best director for Inuritu because mm-hmm. all of the, um, as far as I've known, all the actor or the majority of the actors in the Moroccan part with the Moroccan civilians, not the ones with Kate Blanchett and yeah. Brad Pitt, but the kids and the family, they're not actors. They were just That's like it's pretty impressive cuz yes, they all
1: gave really good performances yes. especially the dad that I thought
0: Yes the the dad I think is an actor but the kids as far as I know were not and I they see. were really really good the performances he pulls out of um, some of the other people and the direction of the movie right there I I fully agree that one um, now the other nominations it got obviously it was nominated for best picture cuz we're we're talking about talking it, about it. Um, <laughs> best supporting actress for uh and uh Adriana Barraza that was the uh Mexican nanny.
1: Yeah. Very deserved I think actually. I I thought she was quite good. She
0: was good. If if I was watching this movie, I would never like that is someone that should be nominated. Granted, yeah. I can't remember um other movies that year that had better supporting actress roles. Um the other uh, nominations it got was Best Supporting Actress for uh, Rinko Kikuchi, the Japanese girl in the movie. She was mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Uh, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. Now, the film editing is well because it's interweaving four separate stories. Um, I can understand that. Um, I
1: can I can understand it, but I don't think creating a non linear narrative necessarily means you should win editing. I mean, it's it's more indicative of the writing, isn't it? Like. Possible, but know, the like,
0: edit the editing allows the movie to flow in a certain way when it is nonlinear. Right? you right? You got to edit everything together so it makes sense, and you don't have the mo- you don't have your your audience lost, and that really plays into editing.
1: I honestly just didn't feel the tension largely because of the editing. I thought like there's there's certain parts uh, like right at the beginning of the movie, uh, Brad Pitt has a call with his nanny, and uh, she says, "Oh my God, is your wife okay?" And he says, "Yep, uh, she's fine. They're operating now." Or they're operating now, and she's going to be fine. And then the whole plot of him uh, being alongside his wife and her getting shot—that unfolds from there back in time. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel the tension in those scenes. I'm like, okay, she's going to live. What's the what's the problem? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, and I get it. Like like I said, I don't like this movie. I don't think it should have been nominated for best picture. Yeah. I reviewed all the all the movies that came out this year, and it was a fucking weak year. Like I I couldn't I I if I had the list pulled up, I'd go through it. But it'd be, it takes too long, I honestly. Out of the entire year, I could only think – I think there's only four or maybe five other films that should have gotten nominated. and even Children th- of Men was one of them. Yes, so that was – thank you. Years. Yeah, we talked about it. That yeah. definitely should have been nominated instead of this fucking piece of garbage. <laughs> um, the one uh, – I looked up some trivia on this movie to try and make it somewhat more interesting for myself. <laughs> okay. And this one is going to floor you. Okay. Brad Pitt gave up a starring role in The Departed to appear in this movie. Ooh. Uh, yes. Yeah,
1: that's, uh... Yes. Can't say I agree with that decision. Holy
0: fuck balls! Fire agent.
1: Then again, I mean, The Departed is a perfect movie as it is, and Matt Damon and Leo DiCaprio are perfect in their respective roles, so mm-hmm. as much as I love Brad Pitt, he, I, he's pro- he probably stars in maybe two movies in my... Top ten, top fifteen. Uh, if I were to count it down, uh, Inglorious Bastards and Moneyball. Um, so I love Moneyballs I love in it. your top ten. I don't know if it'd be in my top ten. Fucking, very... I can't wait till
0: we do that episode. Holy shit, that's gonna be fun.
1: <laughs> we gotta get working on that. Oh, we do. Yeah, I have a ton of respect for Brad Pitt. As an oh, actor. me too. I, I think he's uh, he's quite good in this movie. Um, <laughs> he's hot off an appearance in Deadpool 2, As we're recording this right now on uh, on June seventh, twenty eighteen. I'm still laughing about that. Um, but yeah, I thought all the all the performances were quite good, especially from the uh, the no name actors as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Pitt continued to impress was, the acting performances were fine. Uh, when I found out, as I mentioned, that this was directed by Alejandro and Yuritu, I thought that it, it it would be, you know, a beautiful movie. Maybe I'd seen some, some long take action scenes or uh, some some of the uh, typical camera work that's uh, become his uh his signature but I didn't realize it's a different uh cinematographer on this movie I mm-hmm. guess I, I don't know who the cinematographer was for this one but I know those two Birdman and the Revenant uh are the DP is Emmanuel Lubezki if I remember correctly um no or am I do I have that wrong you do who, who's the cinematographer oh uh no I I can't remember off the top of my head
0: uh you're gonna look it up you're gonna
1: you're gonna have to stall for me
0: <laughs> okay um <laughs> The performances in this movie, like the one he got from Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett, were really great. Um, again, with the two supporting actress nominations, they were fine. Um, but I, I, I would, I'd have to do some deep research for me to pick out two other people that were more deserving. I'm glad they didn't win. Uh, oh, you found the cinematographer? I don't know why is, I doubt myself. Is, it was Emmanuel Lubezki. I'm the best.
1: For which one? For The Revenant. What? Yeah. I'm looking at it right now on Wikipedia. Cinematography, oh. Emmanuel Lubezki.
0: Fuck me. <laughs> Kudos I'm to look you. Up Birdman too, just to be sure.
1: Huh? I'm gonna look up Birdman too, just to be sure. Kudos so to thing. you. Yep, Emmanuel Lubezki on Birdman too. I still got it.
0: Take one more look. Did he do Gravity? Pretty sure
1: he did. Filmography. Gravity. Yes. All right. He also did Children of Men, which makes total sense. Oh, full circle. <laughs> Fuck. Man. Got a little off track there. <laughs> yeah, we did. So whatever. So talk about good filmmaking rather than babble, right? Yeah. By the way, what does the title even mean? I don't. What is the,
0: I don't fucking is know. Title? And that's title one of the things is not
1: referenced at any at any point in this movie. I don't know. I don't know.
0: I, I, maybe they want to fucking just babble on. I don't know. Yeah. Um. I fully admit one of my weak the weak part for me in any film and it was my weak part in english class with reading and all that i'm mm-hmm. not good at digging out themes unless they're literally almost thrown in my face mm-hmm. so i thought well maybe there's some themes in here some underlying messages or some symbology that i'm not i'm not picking up on because I i'm having I such a think. shit time but fuck me this movie is horrible i'm no, so glad I, it's I,
1: I, that was honestly the main problem with this movie is that I, I felt the entire time like, okay, at least if it's a snooze, there's going to be some grandiose message at the end. There's going to be some some big sweeping message that they're trying to tell us. And I honestly, again, people listening to this might tell us that we have it completely wrong, although I can't imagine we have any huge Babel fans listening to us right now. <laughs> uh, but maybe there's some people out there that have you know deciphered the true meaning of this movie. But honestly, I, I just felt like it was a bunch of loosely connected stories, with very good camera work and very good performances and kind of honestly shitty writing. It's I I didn't get the point, by the way, as long as we're on the writing, what the fuck is the point of the whole storyline in in Japan? There's like, there's the loosest connection that that it has with the gun. Uh, Her dad donated the rifle to uh, one of the Moroccan guys that gave it to someone else that killed someone with it. Like that's, That is the connection to the rest of the story. Yes. And I don't get why else it exists. Right. I don't understand why else it exists.
0: You're preaching to the choir. I don't have a fucking clue. Fuck this movie.
1: It's like a weird, like, almost fetishy sort of storyline with Japanese schoolgirls and, like... Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because there's, like, a whole locker room scene with them after a volleyball game, and, like, they're always wearing their little schoolgirl dresses and stuff. Like, it's... It's like very fetishy, and mm. it's like I was kind of uncomfortable through the entire thing. And like, there's a whole thing with them like not wearing panties and stuff and being sexually frustrated. It, like, it almost came off as like a soft core porno, and I just did not understand what it was doing in this movie.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, fuck this movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Let's All fucking right. move. I've,
1: I've talked about Babel yeah. enough. Let's move yeah.
0: the fuck on. This, this movie's a piece of shit. It shouldn't have gotten nominated. Go fuck itself, Babel.
1: <laughs> I it has redeeming qualities but the writing is not is not one of them Mm,
0: i don't think it has any redeeming qualities
1: you didn't like the performances
0: oh sure fuck fine whatever they're fine (laughs) they're fine i'll never i'll never mention them somebody's like hey what's a good movie or what's some great performances oh brad pitt and Babel.
1: oh you want a good brad pitt movie invite the guys over and watch Babel. (laughs) yeah like fuck that okay let's
0: fucking turf this shit
1: No, absolutely not. I can't see myself ever watching this movie again, nor can I ever see myself even thinking
0: about it again. Nope. It's a completely forgettable film.
1: Moving on.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Now uh, we are into, I believe next alphabetically, is The Departed. That is correct, sir. You got got the facts for me on it?
0: I do. Uh, The Departed was directed by uh, this unknown, fresh-on-the-scene director called Martin Scorsese. Never heard of him. I know. It was written by William Monaghan. It got an 85 Metascore. The uh, plot synopsis, an undercover cop and a mole in the police attempt to identify each other while infiltrating an Irish gang in South Boston. This, just before you start, this is a remake of a Hong Kong action film called uh, Infernal Affairs. Which which I
1: still haven't seen in spite of your recommendation. Yes,
0: I have seen it. Um, I fucking love Infernal Affairs. Um, and I love The Departed. Um, I'll talk. Okay, I'll, I'll get this out of the way, and then I'll let you dive in. Yeah, you so, go for it. Okay, so it won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. It was nom. The only thing it didn't win, and the only nomination it got that didn't win, was Best Supporting Actor for Mark Wahlberg.
1: Which it did not. As much as I love this movie, it did not deserve to win that. No. No. For Mark Wahlberg. I honestly don't know why he was nominated. Like, again, I fucking love this movie, but when I first found out some time ago that Mark Wahlberg was recommended, or was uh, nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor for this movie, I was a little bit shocked. Because his entire role in this movie is basically telling people to go fuck themselves. Yes. In a in a, in a Boston accent. Yeah. Showing that good old acting range that Marky Mark has by playing a Bostonian. That's... <laughs> he, he He's not reaching it. All. Not to say his character isn't great in this movie. um uh, I forget his first name, but it's uh, Sergeant, Sergeant Dignum. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Sergeant Dignum is a fantastic character.
0: Oh, so much fun. A
1: hilariously well-written character, but best supporting actor. I don't know about that.
0: Hmm, apparently even IMDB doesn't know Dignam's first name because they just have him listed as Dignum.
1: Yeah, I think he's always just referred to as Dignum
0: in this mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. Um, Why don't you uh, – whatever you want to do. You want to talk about it? I have some behind-the-scenes trivia on it, whatever you want to do.
1: Okay, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll uh, again, I, I mentioned to Manny before, uh, before we hit record today. For Babel, I had, like, a page of notes, and I don't think I went into it at all, because who wants to talk about that? Uh, for uh, some of the movies later, I think I have, like, a page. For this, I have four pages of notes, <laughs> because I essentially just wrote down every hilarious thing that Mark Wahlberg says. <laughs> and I'm there's a lot. Gonna, I'm not going to go through all of this, because there is a lot, but, I mean, I, I could gush about this movie forever. Um... this was one of the first R-rated movies that I loved. Like, I didn't watch it when it was a fresh release, but as soon as I did watch it, it immediately became one of my favorite movies. So this was sort of a weird experience for me. It was, like, dissecting and rating something that's sort of really, really close to you. Like, if you... I I know you're a big fan of uh, Aliens, for example. Like, if could you give an unbiased criticism of Aliens uh if it came down to it like because it just was such a big part of your life or like even maybe aliens is a bad example because it's such a good movie but like another say a guilty pleasure movie from your childhood like it it would just be so difficult to say anything bad about some of the movies that you loved growing up right
0: not quite (laughs) not quite (laughs) and if i'm looking in retrospect like as an example like here's a here's a bad example Um, because it's not that great of a movie, and that's the difference, because The Departed itself is a good movie. So, looking back, like, a movie I loved as a kid... Oh, fuck, actually, here's a great example. A movie I loved as a kid was Commando, Mm -hmm. with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. I'm scared to rewatch it, because (laughs) I know it's going to be a piece of shit. (laughs) I won't be able to defend it, because I guarantee you I'm going to watch it, I'm like, this is fucking horrible. But, Um, growing up, it was mm -hmm. one of my favorite movies.
1: Yeah. So... that, that that's sort of the wild.
0: difference cuz the departed itself is still a great movie. Oh, it is. So, yeah.
1: I just I all I'm saying is that I felt weird like with all of these I try to give both sides of it. I'm I'm not here to just talk about what a great movie everything is without going through its flaws too. I try to sort of go through everything. Yeah, that's fair. But it, th- that was sort of difficult for me. Like I, I I was almost sort of reaching like I have notes on like why does every movie have to have "Gimme Shelter" in it? Like this is one of a hundred billion movies on the planet that has "Gimme Shelter" in it. Numerous, I think three times by my count, maybe two.
0: No at, idea. At if if two. if you want, actually, it won best film editing, but I actually have a problem with that. Um, right. it, I, I don't like a lot of the film editing that Scorsese and his films do. Like, there's sure. so many scenes where there's uh, like a song blaring in the background and it cuts immediately. Yeah. Almost to silence, to another scene. Mm-hmm. Those kind of cuts, sure, I'm sure there's meaning behind them. They're mo- they're meant to be jarring, but I also find them jarring, and they almost take me out of the movie. They, I almost find them distracting, and but that's me that 's my opinion, and I found a lot I, I kind of really noticed them this time when rewatching the departed really
1: yeah, I almost wish you had said something to me before I 'd watched it because i didn't notice that at all, maybe it was just because i wasn 't looking for it mm-hmm. but, uh, and maybe it 's just because i 've seen this movie a hundred thousand times totally but uh, yeah i, I didn 't notice that at all
0: um, but, uh, for, for me um, yep. I would actually seen in well i 'd seen infernal affairs before I saw the departed. Right. Um, i can't remember who recommended infernal affairs to me. I might have maybe I read it in one of my in my magazines because I was such a movie freak or another one of my movie friends magazine what's that i know um, <laughs> one of my other friends maybe mentioned it i can 't remember where I heard it, but i I immediately searched it out, found it, watched it, and fell in love with it. It was like I think the year i I definitely didn't watch uh, Infernal affairs came out in two thousand and two I definitely didn 't watch it that year It' was probably about maybe four or five years later mm-hmm. um and so when I heard that they were going to remake this in the U.S., I was super excited because *Infernal Affairs*. The, the plot, the plot of *The Departed* is pretty bang on. There's, there's just obviously some differences, yeah. Um, but they they stayed pretty true to the form. There's a lot of very similar scenes and stuff like that, and it's fucking awesome. And then when I heard Scorsese was directing it, I got even more excited. When the cast started lining up, I was like, "Holy fucking sweet balls!" So I remember like. Eagerly anticipating this film, going into the theater and being so happy when I left. I love this movie. I fucking love this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can say this because, I mean, I I don't think it's a spoiler for anyone that this did win Best Picture. We haven't mentioned that yet. This yeah, I was did the one that won this year.
0: I did, I did say that.
1: Oh, did you? Sorry, I totally didn't even. I yeah. didn't even hear you say that. I though. listed yeah.
0: off all the stuff it won and and then the one nomination.
1: Right there, you go. Um so yeah this movie did win uh best picture but one of my favorite things about this movie at least uh as one that you know maybe I I liked before I knew anything really about film it is is just that is that it's enjoyable on multiple levels mm-hmm. because if you really want to dive into it this is a really gritty crime movie um but it's also really really funny it is a hilarious oh. movie and the entire cast just has great delivery on these one-liners. I mean, we already talked about Mark Wahlberg, but like, right off the bat, there's this line that makes me laugh every time from Matt Damon when they're playing rugby at the beginning against the fire department and they lose, and he just yells, yeah, whatever, go save a kitten in a tree, you fucking homos.
0: <laughs> in the thickest Boston accent ever.
1: I know. but like, Everybody just has a huge, thick Boston accent. Uh, Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson, uh, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, and by the way, what a who's who of a cast list that Alec is. Alec right? Baldwin,
0: his lines were fucking amazing.
1: <laughs> Alec Baldwin's little rant makes me laugh every time when he's like, says uh, <clears throat> so something like, "I'm gonna go have a smoke. You want to smoke? Oh, you don't smoke? What are you, one of those health freaks? Go
0: fuck yourself." <laughs> yeah, <And> he just <laughs> just says it. Just rather. It
1: just doesn't even give Leo or Matt Damon a chance to respond to it. Yeah, yeah. Even if you're not in the mood for a really heady sort of movie, which this very much is. It's also just super enjoyable if you want to sit back and listen to a bunch of Bostonians tell each other to go fuck themselves. It's <laughs>
0: such an entertaining movie. Like this, this was just a fucking home run from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, well, fuck. Okay, uh, let's fucking no. Let's do this. So a couple, <laughs> a couple little trivia facts about the movie. For sure. um, Martin Scorsese really wanted Al Pacino for the role of Costello, who went. That was um, because he never worked with Pacino, but he turned it down. Jack Nicholson was Scorsese's second choice. Um, here are some of the other people that were originally um, approached and offered the roles for. So Brad Pitt was actually cast as Colin Sullivan. That's Matt Damon's role. Yeah. Um, but dropped out to work on Babel. <laughs>
1: Fuck. Sucks to suck.
0: The original uh, the, the original person to play Billy Costigan? Tom Which Cruise. Which
1: DiCaprio's character. Yeah,
0: Tom Cruise. Wow. Um, he, uh, Scorsese actually really wanted to cast a known actress, um, for the role of Madeline, played by Vera Farmiga. Um, the people he asked, uh, Kate Winslet, Emily Blunt, Hilary Swank, or Jennifer Aniston. Mm -hmm. And the person originally offered the role of Dignam was Dennis Leary. Yeah, no.
1: (laughs) I'm glad they went with Wahlberg instead.
0: Um... Vera Farmiga uh, in the role of Madeline. She met with real LAPD psychiatrist to prepare for her role. <clears throat> the psychiatrist read the script and told Farmiga that Madeline did pretty much everything wrong. This isn't shocking to me. Um, she is probably hands down the worst psychiatrist I've ever seen in my life.
1: She, uh, she's one of the honestly biggest problems with this movie. If there is a big problem, she's the
0: weakest, just- easily the weakest part of this movie.
1: Yeah, and I mean, she's basically the only no-name actor in this. I shouldn't say no-name. She has been in some other stuff, but she's easily the lowest billing in this in this cast list. Um, but one of the things that I'm sort of curious about with this movie that I never really figured out is just why she's so okay with Matt Damon just belittling her profession. Like, if you, if you go back to the scene of their first date, he's saying, like, oh, what do these cops come to you, and do they cry, and like, he's just belittling the whole thing and just thinks the idea of uh a, you know a psychiatrist is completely ludicrous and somehow it just makes her want to want to go out with him i mean okay throughout the entire relationship she's pretty well unhappy and it's hinted at that she's just basically tolerating him but it's just sort of struck me as odd that she just the entire relationship they have she just kind of sits there and takes any old criticism that he tosses at her
0: mm-hmm. um Here's uh the last piece of trivia I have. I have. Well, I have a couple yeah. other minor ones, but this one yeah, I know. Still. I know that you're gonna fucking love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Costello, played by Jack Nicholson, was supposed to wear a Red Sox cap in the movie, <laughs> but Jack Nicholson refused to. His hatred of Boston sports teams dates back to the days of Jack's love affair with the Lakers and the heated rival with the Celtics. So he refused to wear a Red Sox cap and instead wore the New York Yankees hat.
1: That's awesome. That's I do fucking like that. disgusting. Because I, I know that, uh, I know obviously that Jack Nicholson is a huge Lakers fan. He still has courtside tickets to this day, and he's at almost every Lakers game. So that's really funny that he hates the Celtics that much. They just hate the entire city of Boston. How do you feel about that?
0: I fucking hate Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't um, worry. A guy wearing a Boston Red Sox hat
0: kills him in the end of this movie. Spoiler I know, right? <laughs> um, I, I, want, I actually, I, I, I want to talk about the cast um, yeah, because sure. it's, it's, for me the highlight of this movie oh yeah um and we'll, we'll go through it quickly so we're not spending too much time um first off obviously uh DiCaprio is Billy uh Billy Cordigan um he's actually he's for me he's actually only okay um in this movie he's not weak he's not bad um he's just kind of middle of the road um which is really odd for me because I think DiCaprio's one of our best actors working today um, I would agree with that for sure. But he's, um, he's, he's okay in this movie. Like I said, he's not weak. He's not great. Um, he has a lot of decent scenes. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think maybe it's because I have a hard time buying him as a... I have a really hard time buying him as a tough guy. Mm. Um, but he, I don't like,
1: know if he was really supposed to be a tough guy in this movie. I mean, he, I think he was supposed to be a hothead. And he was supposed to be a guy who lost his temper in a hurry. But I don't think... I mean, Jack Nicholson... Was never really intimidated by it. nobody he, that he encountered that wasn't just in passing was really intimidated by him. Mm-hmm. I don't think unless he had a gun to their head. in yeah. Matt Damon's case,
0: like he was like like I said, he was fine. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Matt Damon as Colin Sullivan, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Matt Damon again, I believe, is one of our 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 best actors working today. Um, he was great. Um, one of the things I did read, um. And they talk. They they talk about that. There's one scene where um, he couldn't get it up with Madeline, yeah. um, and Matt Damon chose to play Colin as impotent because he couldn't match up to uh, Jack Nicholson's machismo and the pressure that he was getting. So he played him as impotent
1: yeah i i liked that whole uh dynamic there too and there is a thing between uh there is a thing between him and alec baldwin later on the golf course where alec baldwin says it's uh it's good to be married uh let's let's women you let's women know you're not a homo and it makes them know that your dick works and matt damon just goes oh yeah it works and yeah and they pauses
0: big time
1: yeah big time yeah (laughs) So yeah, I, I like that whole thing, and there is a lot of I mean, there's so many sex jokes and so many lines mm-hmm. about fucking and things like that in this movie. But a lot of it is just it's not even about sex; it's about parenthood because mm-hmm. uh, Jack Nicholson is sort of a surrogate father figure to both Matt Damon and Leo DiCaprio, as yep. well as Martin Sheen is a is a father figure, and oh, I mean,
0: huge I'll end
1: up dead. Yep. Um, I think Martin Scorsese must have had some uh, some pretty big daddy issues because like. Anyone who remotely resembles a father in this movie is completely fucked. Yep. Jack Nicholson ends up dead. Martin Sheen ends up dead. Um, Matt Damon and Leo DiCaprio end up dead, and one of them has impregnated uh, Madeline. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's pretty. Some, it, uh,
0: I'm sure it's pretty obvious that's Leo that impregnated her. Is it? To me, it is.
1: Ooh, how do you figure?
0: <laughs> hmm. She reveals that she's pregnant. I if she this.
1: reveals she's pregnant to Matt Damon, and I mean she's seeing both of them at the same time, I don't, I think, don't think it's ever addressed, is it?
0: Hmm. No, it's not addressed. I think, yeah, I think in my mind it's Leo's, whatever. Um,
1: Maybe I'll have to go back and check that. Yeah.
0: Oh, we have an in excuse mind, to rewatch this movie. Been, I'm in.
1: <laughs> in my mind, it's always been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ambiguous as to as to whose it was, but fair enough. I could be wrong about that. I'm good.
0: Um, Jack Nicholson is Frank Costello. <laughs> This was just such a reminder of what a star and how good Jack Nicholson is. Like, yeah. he just takes over the screen. Um, I love him throughout the movie, with the exception. The only scene I find him really weak in mm-hmm. um, is the, uh, the meeting with the, the triad when he's selling the processors. Um, he comes across like not that the character's weak, but I found his acting weak as he's kind of talking through a translator a bit. A bit. Like he's he's really kind of overacting. Like he starts talking about in this country. <laughs> I just found it weak, but the rest of it, like everything else, like every scene he's in, he's so good. Um, I I just I I fucking loved him. Not quite a performance where. I think he deserved like a best supporting actor nomination cuz taking a look here uh yeah it was a stacked year even though I don't agree with the winner um who was the winner Alan Arkin for Little Miss Sunshine
1: Oh yeah really I know right Okay
0: <laughs> which we'll get into fucking we'll, later
1: We'll get into that I think next or maybe two from now
0: Two from now um sure. Um, but, like, uh, I really liked him in this movie. Again, it's not, like, an iconic performance, but it really just reminds me, I'm like, holy fuck, I'm like, this guy knows what he's doing. Um, he knows how to work the camera, he knows how to work the scene, he knows, he was just so fucking good. He,
1: he feels very in control, whatever scene he's in. One of my favorites between uh, him and Leo is when he, is just him and Leonardo DiCaprio sitting in a bar, and he's asking him, like, uh, if he's the rat, and Leonardo's just trying to defend himself, and he's trying to play Mr. Tough Guy. He's and he, he says a line to the effect of Leo does says a line uh, to the effect of, uh, you know, if you if you say something like that to me, I'd uh, you know put a bullet in your fucking head. And he's like trying to play the tough guy, and Jack Nicholson is just calm through the entire thing, and, and just completely asserts his dominance. Mm-hmm. And and just I don't want to. He doesn't outact him, but he just. You, you come away from that scene just feeling like Leo DiCaprio's in way over his head and he's completely fucked because this guy is a psychopath, but also a really smart criminal who's gonna kill you with no hesitation if he finds out that you've wronged him in some way.
0: Yep. Um, Mark Wahlberg is Dignum, basically, like the main source of comedy in this movie.
1: Yeah, and we we talked about this a little bit. He did win best supporting actor. No, nominated. I don't know if I can get behind that. He
0: wasn't he didn't win. Nominated.
1: Oh, nominated, sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh he uh he did get nominated for best supporting actor. I I don't get it. It must have been a weak year because again, I love this character and he's hilarious. Uh, you know, of all we talk about how uh comedic performances don't generally get nominated we talked last time we talked about the 2007 oscars when uh, robert downey jr got nominated for tropic thunder for best actor how huge that was and how awesome it was this i i don't like it's a i mean sorry let me rephrase that i don't like the nomination mm-hmm. it's a comedic performance and it's quite good and it's really really funny but the star of it for me is the writing the lines that he has at his disposal are really really funny and that's it that's there are no scenes where I feel like he's, he's, he's acting where he, there's no scenes where I really feel like, I don't, I don't know that he has anything else to do other than play an angry Bostonian, which is what he is anyway. So I, I don't, don't agree. I don't really get
0: it. It was fine. But like, like anytime he's on screen, I'm having a blast.
1: Oh, sure. Uh, absolutely. Me too. I
0: just don't understand the nomination. Um, Martin Sheen is as a Queenan. Uh, he's fine. He mm-hmm. doesn't really have any like really great scenes except for maybe um, except for maybe the scene where he uh, Leo comes to his house, um, but even then there's not really much for him to do except for basically just be a father figure throughout yeah. the movie. And he does a, and he does an adequate job at that. Um,
1: yeah, he's pretty calm for most of the movie. Um, not that you need a. Raising your voice, losing your mind, sort of scene to be a good actor. No, he he,
0: he couldn't he deserve. couldn't because dig because Dignam was was doing that. Yeah. Queenan had to be the antithesis to that. They had they had to equal out.
1: Well, they had a good uh, point counterpoint, a good sort of good cop bad cop thing going on. Um, yeah, Martin Sheen was fine. Nothing overly offensive.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Ray Winstone is Mister French. Um I really li- I
1: really liked him. Yep. I haven't seen him in a whole lot actually now that I think about it.
0: Um Ray Winstone as Mr. French was really great. He plays um calm intimidating really well in this movie. Um yeah. at not even though he doesn't ever really show the amount of power and the um I guess the the mystique behind Mr. French being the second in command. But the moment he's on screen, you know that this guy means business. And anything he says he's going to do, he, he'll he he'll do it. Like, he yeah. just exudes this confidence and this intimidation that I fucking loved.
1: My favorite scene with Mr. French is where they're shaking down the local business owner and they're beating the crap out of him. And he's saying, like, I don't even have any money. I don't make any money. Like, you keep coming down here and asking me for money. I just don't have any for you. And he says something like, well, this is America. If you don't make money, you're a fucking douchebag. <laughs> it was like a, another one of the million hilarious comedic lines in this movie and yeah. mr french is chock full of them
0: yeah um alec baldwin as ellerby alec baldwin again one of the comedic highlights of this movie um mm-hmm. but alec baldwin is just a genius for me he's just a fucking genius and i think he's a genius and i haven't even watched 30 rock which from everything i've heard is his best performance of all time
1: huh yeah i haven't i haven't watched uh 30 Rock 30 rock either actually i've heard it's quite good yeah i've
0: heard nothing but great things and i heard he's absolutely like drop dead amazing in it um if
1: there's if his performance in that is anything like his performance in this maybe we should give
0: it a shot i agree um <laughs> and then we got vera formiga as madeline like i said the probably the worst psychiatrist i've ever seen on screen she does yeah. everything wrong i have no degree whatsoever but everything that she does with her patients is wrong yeah
1: it's not necessarily. Uh, even her performance. like Acting-wise, I think it's fine. Oh, acting-wise,
0: yeah, I have no problem with character
1: her acting. Is a, the character is a little bit weakly written.
0: Super weakly written. Oh, weird, and she's the only chick. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> what like, a shock.
1: Hollywood having poorly written roles for women? That's, yeah. that's a first.
0: Um, but, I, yeah, the, this movie was phenomenal. Um, I won't lie, like, as much as I like this movie, I won't lie, I actually prefer Infernal Affairs. Um, yeah you
1: have you have mentioned that before and um, that's
0: not to that's not to degrade the departed because the departed i love this fucking movie love this movie yeah for um sure. but infernal affairs um is shorter it's a little bit tighter um the one thing i'll say about infernal affairs is the uh the uh, the female characters in infernal affairs are probably even worse than the ones in here <laughs> yeah um but th- don't get me wrong that that's not um, that's that 's just saying how much I like infernal affairs not it 's not a knock against the departed. The departed is fantastic um if anybody out there hasn 't seen this movie, they need to go watch it immediately
1: yeah, I pretty much spoiled just about every every good line and uh and every plot twist of this movie and every death of this movie so that 's my bad butt yeah
0: well we also did we didn 't officially say that we were going to spoil the movie um but I think that should have been.
1: Yeah, I mean it came out in 2006.
0: Yeah, fuck whatever.
1: <laughs> Heads up,
0: we're spoiling the rest of them.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you want to do best
0: scene? Oh fuck, we forgot to do that. With Babel. Best scene yeah, in Babel. Okay. The credits. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um. Best scene for me in The Departed. Mm. If you have yours, go right ahead.
1: Yeah, I uh, I don't have it written down, but for me, again, I love this movie, and there are a lot of standout scenes. For me, it's the phone call, but the first phone call between Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. So these two have been searching each other out uh, for the entire movie. Um, you know there's a sea of dead bodies behind them uh, as they try to uh, find each other out and eventually uh, Matt Damon does get access to a phone that has Leonardo DiCaprio's number in it, but it's from it's Martin Sheen's phone and he's dead and Leonardo DiCaprio knows this. so he sees Captain Queenan martin sheen's character on his uh on his caller id and answers it but doesn't say anything he's just silent and both are sitting there waiting for the other to talk first because they know who the other is and it's the both the editing in that scene just between their two faces and the dead silence the lack of a score like it, it's a completely silent scene and it just ends with Leonardo DiCaprio hanging up the phone before either of them even say anything. And for me, that's just like a really tense and really well-edited scene.
0: Fucking A, that's a good pick. God damn. It. <laughs> well, just to be different, because yeah. um, now actually as soon as he says I'm like, fuck, that's a good pick. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to choose um, probably the highlight of Wahlberg's performance and that's where Queenan and Dignam are interviewing Billy to become an undercover police officer (laughs) um it's intercut with some scenes with Matt Damon but it's all about it's basically all about Dignam tearing down Billy to see if he's actually ready to accept this job but Leo DiCaprio doesn't know that he's just getting fucking berated by Mark Wahlberg and it's a fucking joy to watch it's fucking hilarious so
1: many good lines and that's I I said earlier that I spoiled every good line in this movie, but I couldn't do that if I tried because that one in particular is just chock full of fucking hilarious lines from Mark Wahlberg.
0: Yeah. Uh, so obviously, we both like *The Departed*. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. The third <laughs> right, film. The third film nominated for best picture is *Letters from Iwo Jima*. Uh, Letters from Iwo Jima was directed by Clint Eastwood. It was written by uh, Paul Haggis, who uh, wrote and directed Crash, another Oscar winner. Um, And then it was actually – the co-writer was Iris Yamashita. Um, Paul Haggis, uh, when he was writing it, um, was having a hard time – um, writing it um, from a Japanese perspective, so they sent out word trying to find somebody that could translate what he was writing into Japanese, uh, and they found uh, Iris Yamashita, so she helped uh, uh, write the script. Uh, an eighty-nine Metascore, <clears throat> nineteen million dollar budget. Uh, it only pulled in thirteen million dollars domestic uh, and sixty-eight worldwide. Um, The plot synopsis, the story of the Battle of Iwo Jima between the United States and Imperial Japan during World War II as told from the perspective of the Japanese who fought it. Um, For those that don't know, um, in this year, um, Clint Eastwood actually made two movies about the Battle of Iwo Jima. He um, uh, made the first one, Flags of Our Father, which tells the Battle of Iwo Jima from the American side. Um and then he did this one, Letters from Iwo Jima, which tells a story from the Japanese side. Did you get a chance to watch Flags of Our Fathers? No. I didn't unfortunately. Don't don't do it. Um before I continue, what did just a quick generalization, what did you think of this movie? Did you like it, yes or no?
1: Um, I think I had some high expectations. I thought it was good. I honestly wasn't blown away. I guess I would have it nominated for best picture in this year. Um it's honestly not going to go down in my books as one of my favorite war movies of all time. It was good. It was entertaining. That's
0: fair enough. If that's your opinion of this movie, skip Flags of Our Fathers. Fair enough. It's def- <laughs> it's, it's honestly, in my opinion, infinitely weaker than this movie. Interesting. I really like this movie. Again, it, and it's probably a show we could do as our top ten war movies of all time. Ooh, that's a good one. I know. We could, we'll do that when for Remembrance Day. Ooh, wow, you're thinking way ahead. I know. Cause what, we'll still June be, 7th today? <laughs> um, I really like, I really like this movie. Um, I am a fan. For, uh, I'm a fan of Clint Eastwood movies, but he makes so fucking many of them yeah. that it's hard for me to say. I like his work as a whole. Um, because the ones of his that I like, I generally really, really like. And then the ones of his that I don't like are generally pretty weak. Um, the, a couple just little tidbits about this movie. The original title of this movie was actually Red Sun, Black Sand. Um, the, um, the person that played Saigo, um, I don't know if you remember him.
1: Yeah, he's the, he's the main character, is he not? Yeah, the
0: main character. He's actually um, he was a, he's a huge star in Japan because he's part of a, a pop boy band what yeah <laughs> really yeah and i was I, and i knew that going in because i i had my eye on this movie i didn't know who he was but i heard that they cast this pop boy band japanese pop star in the role and i have to say he was amazing he was so good the oh, second best mm, second best performance because ken watanabe fucking kills it that yeah. man is so regal like he was born to play leaders and emperors he's he's so good in this movie no
1: I very much enjoyed all the performances in this movie and unfortunately I guess I should be getting on I do have this on IMDB but I don't have it in front of me right now with the cast list but yeah uh, Ken Watanabe um, is obviously one of the better parts of this movie I really liked his character it was uh, Kiribashi, was it
0: yeah Um, Yeah. when word spread that he had been cast Mm -hmm. every young actor in Japan let it be known that they wanted a part in this movie (laughs) I believe that. Uh, And then the last thing, um, most of this movie was actually filmed in California. I actually thought that they actually filmed it on Iwo Jima, but only a couple things were filmed on Iwo Jima. Um, Special permission had to be given by the Tokyo Metropolitan Government to film on the actual island of Iwo Jima. Um, It is a national monument today, as it is essentially the grave for over 10,000 missing Japanese soldiers. There's still 10,000 bodies on that island. Um, so they have to get um, they have they do have to get special permission to to film on there and I guess there was a couple scenes filmed on there but the majority of it was filmed in California which shocked me. Um, well, yeah, they did
1: a really good job I think capturing the scope of it and everything like that like visually this movie was uh, I mean with my limited knowledge of the Battle of Iwo Jima it seemed quite
0: faithful. Um, this movie um, won Best Sound Editing. Um it's that's one of the few categories it, at the Oscars that I I don't really know that well. Yeah. Um it was nominated for best picture, best director and best original screenplay. All three of those nominations I agree with. Um I I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um it was I I I really enjoyed seeing this battle um from the other side because they really when you watch war movies obviously the vast majority of them are told from the american side and so the enemy is always seen as almost inhuman and mm-hmm. or or monstrous um, and seeing this movie from the japanese side really let you know what these people went through and how they're feeling and that they're just um they're just the same as us and they have this fantastic scene um they've uh, they've captured an American soldier, and he dies. And one of the uh, one of the generals or majors, re- he can he can read and write English. He reads a letter of the dead American soldier to his soldiers, and you can see on all the faces of his so- of his soldiers, they're like you can see they're like he's, he's they're, talking
1: about stuff that I would be writing. Yeah, to mine. they're
0: like he's just like us. Like he's like these guys, these Americans aren't these monsters that. Our government is making them seem to be. These guys are just like us, and it was so great to see that from their side. Um, I, I just, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, I think, I think one of the reasons I really enjoyed it is because, like, like I've said before, and I'm not afraid, this year's movies were fucking horrible. So it really, st- <laughs> it really stands out. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's mostly because. Um, I don't know any of these actors. I don't know any of these Japanese actors except for Ken Watanabe. And so I didn't have any attachment to them in any in any other way. So the performances he pu- that Clint Eastwood pulled out of these guys was really, really great. Um, yeah, it
1: must be a huge uh, obstacle to overcome uh, having to direct people, uh, direct actors who don't necessarily speak your language. I don't know how many of these people do speak speak English. Obviously, Ken Watanabe does. Yep, But... Um, Outside of that, I'm not sure how many of uh, these cast members uh, have great English. Cause, I mean, kudos to Clint Eastwood for getting good performances out of them regardless, though. I can imagine that'd be quite the task.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, there's there's just so much... The only benefit of of seeing both the movies, um, if you want to be a completist, is that you, you understand, because um, it goes over the whole Battle of Iwo Jima, um, you understand it, it's kind of cool to see... The, the American side as they move forward. Um, the, the thing with Flags of Our Fathers, um, it's the, – the Flags of Our Fathers is more the story of the iconic World War II shot that everyone thinks of, of those five guys raising that American flag, mm-hmm. that classic World War II picture. Flags of Our Fathers is the telling of kind of that story and the people in those pictures and what they had to endure afterwards. Um, Because they were actually pulled from the war and sent back to the states to go around and raise money for the war. And um, one of the guys, um, one of the guys in the picture is actually um, an American Indian, First Nations guy. Um, He had a real hard time with it um, because he, he didn't really feel, everyone was calling him a hero. He didn't feel he was a hero. He didn't feel he deserved it and all this stuff sadly uh he, he's not sadly that he's played by adam beach sadly adam beach in that movie is is weak and he's actually the one that really needs to carry the most of the load so his performance is so weak it really weakens that movie um ryan philippe's in it and he's actually pretty good um but i i could just feel that ryan philippe's like man adam beach you really need to pick up your shit um flags of our father's isn't so there, there's a lot of 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 the Battle of Iwo Jima on it, but Letters from Iwo Jima is more of a war film, um, and I think that's one of the reasons I like it more. And like I said, the performances in this movie are infinitely better than uh, Flags of Our Fathers.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, one thing I wanted to just say was how much this movie it, it reminds me a lot of Dunkirk, actually, mm-hmm. um, just in the way that uh, you know the the shots of the beach were directed in a lot of those battles. Um, also, just the fact that Mostly the Americans are referred to as the enemy. Um, you, never re- you do see American faces on a couple of occasions, but very rarely. There's a lot of effort that's gone into maybe putting you in the Japanese mind space of uh, creating this big, this sort of boogeyman known as the American military. Mm-hmm. And it can, you can really go into their mind space and feel why they would feel the way they do about the American military. Having not met any of them, having not, you know, not seen their faces, uh, them constantly shooting at each other. They just think, oh, these guys are the enemy and we just have to kill them. And then, of course, there's that scene that you referenced uh, where they read the American's letter from his mom. And it totally humanizes them. And then they have to immediately after that scene ends, they have to go back and, into battle. And it's a, it's a really tough thing for all of them to do. And yeah. I thought that aspect of the movie was was pretty good actually the way that they dehumanized the americans which obviously can be tough for an american writer and director to do
0: totally and one of the things i like um this movie does it and actually they they also showed it um a, a, a kind of a bit of it in saving private ryan but there's a scene um where uh, one of the uh, japanese soldiers uh, gets away uh and he's captured by the americans and two americans are are told to stay and guard these two prisoners and instead of guarding them, they kill them, yeah, and it's cold and it's fucking heartless and it was it was a little hard to watch, but I love because we all know that that's happened. I love that Clint eastwood wasn't afraid to show that,
1: yeah, honestly, up until that point, I was kind of i don't want to say I wasn't enjoying this movie, but I was sort of rolling my eyes at like how even when it's from the Japanese perspective, they were a, a lot of Japanese soldiers were sort of being portrayed as savages and uh like the one good japanese soldier is the one who spent time in america and has become americanized uh that would be ken watanabe's character well don't uh, well, uh, don't
0: forget uh baron nishi the guy with the horse also spent some time in america
1: exactly so at that point in the movie i'm sort of rolling my eyes like okay even when it's told from the japanese perspective it's a very pro america movie mm-hmm. but then with that scene of the american soldiers essentially just executing uh two unarmed prisoners uh i was sort of Blown away at that a little bit and reevaluated my thinking on the movie. Um, yeah, that was a little bit useful for showing both sides of it. Because up until that point, I did feel like it wasn't so much a movie about, like, we're all the same, we're all similar. It was more a movie like, hey, some of these Japanese people have been to America, so they're not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. but that scene kind of uh, made me do a little bit of a 180.
0: Yeah. Um, all in all, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um I would uh I, I it was I if I'm not mistaken it, pr- it easily was in my top 10 of the year that year. Um I I I really enjoyed this movie rewatching it again. I loved it just as much. Um I I I, I love this movie.
1: Yeah, obviously with the weak year that we've discussed that this was uh there's a very good chance it would have made my top 10. Um that being said as far as as far as war movies go, um it was good. It was definitely above average. Clint Eastwood is obviously a very talented and competent director. Nobody needs me to tell them that. Um, I honestly just wasn't blown away by it. I Maybe I was expecting more than I should have, but yeah, it was good. It was fine. Hey. <laughs> the tone that I'm saying this in makes it sound like I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I just honestly can't think of too many notable moments that really wowed me. Like There's the moment where uh, they read the Americans' letter. There's the Ameri- uh, the moment where the Americans execute uh, the two unarmed Japanese prisoners. Um, there, the, uh, there just weren't that many moments that I can key in on. To be completely honest, with you that I really spoke I to me. don't
0: disagree. Like I said at the beginning of the show, this was a weak year for movies. Mm-hmm. And any other like any other year, and maybe one day we'll off off the air. We'll, we can go through, but any other year, probably most of these movies don't even get nominated for Best Picture.
1: Yeah, like, as far as this movie getting nominated for Best Picture, I kind of disagree with it, to be completely honest with you. It's by no means the worst that's been nominated this year, and it's by no means a bad movie, but in any other year, I don't think this would have been nominated.
0: I agree. Favorite scene?
1: Um, if you have one off the top of your head, I'll let you go. Mine's
0: a letter reading. Easily. Easily a letter reading.
1: I was gonna go letter reading, but I didn't want to go there since we already had, but... If you're going there anyway, I... Yeah,
0: yeah I'm going the there. The reading of the the letter was
1: pretty powerful. Perfect.
0: All right, let's move on. The next movie is Little Miss Sunshine.
1: Little Miss Sunshine, all right.
0: Little Miss Sunshine, directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. They are a married couple. Um, it was written by Michael Arndt, I, or Arndt? I don't know. <laughs> um, it got an 80 meta score, $8 million budget, $60 million domestic, a $100 million worldwide. Uh, plot synopsis, a family determined to get their young daughter into the finals of a beauty pageant take a cross-country trip in their VW bus.
1: All right, so I had never seen this movie before. Uh-huh. Um, actually, the only movie on of these five that I had seen previously was The Departed. Uh-huh. Um, so I had heard a lot about this. I know my dad's actually a big fan of this movie, and he had been telling me for years I should watch it. Um, <laughs> up until this point, actually, I... First of all, whatever happened to Abigail Breslin? Has she been in anything recently?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I'll, take, that, I'll I take honestly
1: work. couldn't tell you. Uh, I was going to say, I, I completely forgot that I was going to say this until just now, but just for a sense of how old I was when this movie came out, me and Abigail Breslin are the same age. Fuck off. I'm dead serious. <laughs> she was born in 1996 just like me. <laughs> just to make you feel extra old.
0: I am now really uh, – um, recently she was in that show Scream Queens. Okay. Um, she was in the – she did the – I I don't know if it was live. They did a TV show – a TV movie of Dirty Dancing. Um, oh, she was in Ender's Game. Okay. Uh, but that's 2013. Uh, she did one of the voices of Rango in 2011. I remember her in Zombieland. That's 2009. Uh, and then we're getting back to around the age that this is up. So, yeah, there's...
1: Because, honestly, uh, you know, growing up, I knew her as the girl from Zombieland. Like, obviously, I knew she was in this movie, and I knew that this was her claim to fame. But Zombieland is a great little comedy that she's in, and uh, that's essentially what I knew her from. Yeah. I knew her as Little Rock from Zombieland.
0: Well, for me, she will uh, I've always thought of her as in, in this movie. Um, and she's the little girl in Signs.
1: Right, okay. That makes sense. What a fantastic actress, though. Yes. Even in this movie, she, in my opinion, is easily the best part. She has a number of good scenes that she absolutely steals. At, you know, in, in 2006, she would have been 10 years old. And uh, with filming, she probably would have been even younger. I think they say she's 7 or 8 years old in mm-hmm. this movie, don't they?
0: Per, I, I'm so glad we're leading with her because she's easily the highlight of the movie for me. Yeah. She is d light Delightful. I fucking love her in this movie. Every scene she's in, she steals it. She absolutely steals it. She makes my heart melt. She makes my... she Everything about her just made me glow. She was so amazing. Granted, I am a father to a young girl. So that may <laughs> have... Pl- that I won't lie. That may have played into this. But I, outside of that, I still think she was absolutely amazing in this movie. She... She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I really wish she'd won. Um, I didn't see the, the, the movie or the performance that ended up winning that year, which is Jennifer Hudson for Dream Girls, which I heard is great. Um, but it must be jaw-droppingly amazing to beat this performance. This isn't like, oh, an, oh, my God, wow, Like bring tears to my eyes and look at the acting, look at the acting. She's just playing a kid. And she plays it perfectly. Yes, she is a kid, but it's still acting, and she's so delightful in every scene.
1: Yeah, and never once in my head through this movie did the thought appear: "Wow, what a great performance for a kid!" I never thought of it like that. It was this: this girl is an amazing actress. She's like, obviously, I mean, being nominated among a number of other fully grown uh, actresses. she must have absolutely killed it, but there's. You say she uh, doesn't really act; she's just sort of being a kid and she's being herself and just true.
0: No, no, no. I, I, don't. I don't say that she was acting. I just. It, I that that wasn't my intention. I just never. I just. I just never felt this was. Yeah. Acting. Not that yes. she was just doing it. Like I know she's acting. It just mm-hmm. you see a lot of kids' performances, and you can tell that they they are acting. This yeah, was just purely natural, which shows skill the same way that the same way you never feel that DiCaprio is acting or Gosling is acting or yeah. Matt Damon is acting they they're just they're just that person that's what exactly. i 'm saying
1: yeah i, I didn 't mean to uh, put words in your mouth and that 's not what I was trying to say at all, but all I was trying to say was that there are even certain scenes with that in mind, and you're correct about that, there are even certain scenes where she does show some emotional range. It's not just her naturally being a kid for the entire movie, which does take talent, of course. There are a number of scenes where she uh, actually gets a little bit emotional and uh, has to contend with certain realizations and things like that, which I'm sure we will maybe get to when we talk about favorite scenes because I know I will. Um, But, yeah, she... The emotional range that she even shows in this movie, on top of just being delightful through most of it, is really, really good.
0: Yes. Um, one little uh, wow. Well, we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> it. I, I, I just, I honestly just can't heap enough praise on Abigail's performance in this movie. Um, the one thing I didn't know when I first watched the movie, because this would probably be the maybe the third time I've seen Little Miss Sunshine, um, she was wearing a fat suit. During the filming. Oh, was she? Yeah. To... Okay.
1: I'm actually happy to hear that, because there's a lot of dialogue about her body image and about, you know, uh, how uh, supermodels don't eat ice cream. And
0: they... I, w- I want to talk about that scene, that yeah. diner scene. It fucking destroyed me.
1: Actually, I was I was genuinely angry. It wasn't, like, it wasn't a thought as, a like, a film critic that was in my head, like, wow, that was good that they played that scene that way because yada, yada, yada. I was genuinely angry, like, that character is a piece of shit. And I really hope they didn't give this poor young girl an eating disorder.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's played by Greg Kinnear as Richard Hoover. Um, I, I was, it fucking killed me. It fucking killed me to watch that scene.
1: But it also has a a nice addition to the end of it. I Mm -hmm. thought, because he's being a piece of shit Yeah, and he's saying like, Oh, well, all these supermodels, they don't eat ice cream. Uh, and she she's he's basically giving her an eating disorder yes. at the table, and the rest of the family all takes her ice cream and goes, mm, this is really good. Are you sure you don't want some olive? And they encourage her to to have it anyway. And I thought that was really touching. But fuck, man, I was. I was angry. <laughs> I was yeah.
0: fucking livid. You can and only
1: imagine as a father how you must have felt about it, that scene. It
0: I I, I not I was fucking crying. It was yeah. hard for me to watch that scene. It was really hard as a father to watch that scene. And then yes, the, the way it ended, um, with everybody uh, sharing in the ice cream and and making her feel good about wanting and having the ice cream, it warmed my heart, but seeing seeing Greg Kinnear do that to his own daughter was not yeah. easy on me at all. At all. That's one
1: thing I'm glad this movie didn't shy away from, because uh, a lot of it is about Steve Carell's sort of arc, and a lot of it's about Paul Dano's arc. And uh, honestly, Olive doesn't really have an arc, just which, I'm, which I think is fine, yeah. because she's just supposed to be... The movie's called Little Miss Sunshine. She's just supposed to be the little ray of light in all these people's dark, depressing lives. So <laughs> I, when I say that she doesn't have an arc, I don't mean that in a negative way she just is positive through most of the movie. Um, but a lot of it is about... I'm I'm glad they didn't shy away from some of the body issues or the body image stuff. Um, The, you know, disgusting things that happen in uh, child beauty pageant. I was uncomfortable for the last 20 minutes of this movie. The beauty pageant stuff? I,
0: I have written in my notes right here in front of me the beauty pageant stuff made me sick. Yeah. It was fucking hard to watch. And it
1: still happens. Yes. Like, this movie was made in 2006. And. I can't believe it's 2018 right now, and we still have... I mean, Miss America actually had an announcement this week, I think, that they're no longer going to do the swimsuit portion. Yeah, which, I heard that. Which yeah, is, honestly, I'm, I does, think it's great, but I'm does curious... Does anybody see, still
0: fucking watch that?
1: It, well, is, is anyone, though? Like, that's the thing. Is that going to... How badly is that going to affect their ratings? They say that that's not the most watched portion, so we'll see. But as far as it goes for little kids... The fact that there's still beauty pageants for little kids these days is just completely regressive and just gross to me.
0: Yeah, they used real uh, beauty pageant contestants uh, and families for that scene. Um, really? Yeah,
1: yeah. I wonder how they feel about that movie, because it does not portray them in a kind light. I know, right? Yeah. Um. Th- well, obviously, they're not opposed to putting their children in embarrassing situations. True. Potentially harmful situations.
0: Um... The, um, a little uh, a piece of trivia, um, the studio actually did not want, uh, Steve Carell, um, as Frank in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, the directors, uh, really fought hard for him, um, because this movie took so long to film because, uh, they had trouble with funding and stuff. Um, but again, it was an only $8 million budget, but it ended up grossing $100 million worldwide, so that's a nice return on investment. Oh, Um, yeah. But, um... In between the finishing of the movie um, and its release, um, Steve Carell is in and released 40-Year-Old uh, Virgin and The Office. Yep. So by the time this movie's about to come out, now he's the focus of the advertising for this movie. Sure. Um, and he's good He's good in it. He's fine. And um, I mean,
1: wouldn't you consider the, him the main character?
0: I don't... I don't know.
1: I mean, it is sort of about the family, I suppose, but, I mean, maybe it's just because he's number one billing, but in the intro to this movie...
0: he's only The only reason he's number one billed is because of his star power. He wasn't yes. originally supposed to be number one billed.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, but don't you think he still is arguably the largest arc in this movie? Or maybe, yeah. I guess, Paul Dano is probably the largest... the. the the largest and I, fucking,
0: I love Paul Dano in this movie.
1: Yeah, I didn't know he was in it, honestly. I, when he showed up, I'm like, holy shit, that's Paul Dano. <laughs> and he's awesome. I mean, we talked about him last time we did an Oscar segment with There Will Be Blood, and apparently this was a pretty fruitful time in his career. Yes. Because uh, he yeah, followed this movie up with There Will Be Blood and both excellent performances. Yeah. The, uh... This one in particular, I like almost more, and it's funny that it's like the polar opposite. The only thing that holds it back from me is that the character is a little lazily written, in my opinion. Paul Hold. Dano's character. Yeah, uh, Dwayne. Oh, Dwayne, yes. Duane, That's, yeah, yeah. I, I just felt like, you know, angsty teen reads Friedrich Nietzsche. Like, we've seen that before. Doesn't want to talk to his parents and hates everyone. Like, he played it really well. Just the writing of his character, I was like, you know, we've seen, we've seen this before. This is nothing new, right?
0: So then, speaking of that, do you know what Two Oscars it won that year. <laughs> Let
1: me guess. Just because I said the writing was bad, writing.
0: Yeah, best original <laughs> screenplay, and then best supporting actor for Alan Arkin, which for yeah. me is a fucking travesty.
1: Yeah, what what is the deal with that? Because I did not find Alan Arkin riveting. I mean, first of all, he's dead within like you know the first act.
0: Yeah, like what twenty five minutes in the movie? Yeah, something like that. Sure, yeah, this sure the scene like. He's got what two major scenes: the the opening dinner scene with the mm-hmm. with the chicken, and then that. that quite good, I think. Yeah, and then the and then what the the bus the the original the the longer take of the VW ride where he goes That's, on that fucking huge rant.
1: And I would say uh, the main acting in huge air quotes scene of his, the one the four year consideration scene would be uh, probably him talking to Abigail Breslin about. Her body and like about her uh mm. why she's not skinny like the like the supermodels and him convincing her that she is beautiful even if she doesn't look like them that's probably the the scene that got him the nomination and i guess in, in the end the win um i don't know his performance was good he in my opinion wasn't the best part of this movie by a long shot
0: no. um no abigail is for sure
1: yeah um uh, he, I get it. I guess. I mean, he was up against fucking Mark Wahlberg, so <laughs> given the choice between the two, I would probably take Alan Arkin. But
0: well, he know. was also <clears throat> he was also up against Jackie Earl, Jackie Earl Haley for Little Children, uh, okay. Jimon Hounsou in Blood Diamond, uh, and the person that everybody thought was going to win uh, Eddie Murphy and Dreamgirls. Right. Um, yeah.
1: I, of those movies, the only ones that I've seen are the ones we've already talked about and Blood Diamond. Yeah.
0: Um. The uh, in the scene in the v w bus where Arkin is ranting and swearing and saying the most fucking crude shit, mm-hmm. Abigail Breslin had her headphones on, and they were really playing music, so she didn't really hear what Arkin was saying <laughs> to help protect her. hilarious <laughs> um, the The role of Frank played by Steve Carell was uh, the original choice was actually Bill Murray. And Robin I think w-
1: Bill Murray would have been a good fit for this role.
0: And Robin so. Williams was the second choice. Really? Yeah.
1: I, I Bill Murray I would have been on board with. Robin Williams didn't seem like he would have been a good fit for that.
0: No, Robin Murray-
1: Williams... In retrospect, it would have been a little bit too on the nose.
0: <laughs> 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 too soon? No, never too soon. I don't think so. <laughs> <clears throat> um, other than that, for me, Little Miss Sunshine was fine. Um, but... Best I don't. Picture. No. No. Not at all. I didn't like. Especially for me, I found the cinematography weak. Oh, did you? I just. I didn't it was, find. It just. I was there. There was nothing like there. In
1: general, I agree. There are moments that I was pretty wowed by it in particular. So, uh, for one thing, the scene where Paul Dano discovers that he's colorblind. I loved him running away from the van and just the way that was framed with him sitting back to his family and you can see them sort of small in the background. I I liked a lot of the way that that scene was shot. Um, Also, um, I was going to touch on this when we were talking about... uh, I forget Abigail Breslin's character's name. uh, Olive. When uh, we were talking about her uh, body image issues, uh, there's a scene... or Sorry, it's the opening shot of the entire movie. um, Her eyes with the Miss America pageant reflected in her glasses. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really clever opening shot. And it basically tells you everything the movie's about right there. It's just about this girl who's idolizing these beautiful girls and is wondering why she can't live up to what they look like. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought a lot of the cinematography in that regard was very good. Outside of, like I said, a handful of moments that are quite good as far as the cinematography goes, you know, the average scene is sort of meh.
0: It was maybe. fine. This is yeah. a quirky little comedy. Um, it's for anybody that hasn't seen it. It's definitely worth checking out. There's some really great. There's definitely a lot like a lot of scenes that are genuinely funny. But oh, best for sure. but best picture. Sorry. I, it's a hard pass for me.
1: Yeah. Not, just as far as problems with this movie goes, why it maybe shouldn't have been nominated for best picture. Um, I, I didn't get. I, I did say that I thought maybe Steve Carell was the main character in this movie, even though it is sort of the, the full cast. Maybe, maybe I'm biased just because, as you know, Manny, I'm a big fan of The Office, and I'm in the middle of a rewatch right now. But I just thought he needed more to do. Um, I thought that his arc was easily the most interesting out of the family, um, as far as you know, character development and where he is at the beginning of the movie versus where he is at the end. Um, I didn't find uh, the asshole dad's arc nearly as riveting. It's sort of like they introduced Steve Carell as the main character at the beginning of the movie and mm-hmm. talked about a lot of his problems with his attempted suicide and his depression and all that stuff and his homosexuality, and then they just really left it alone for a good portion of the middle of the movie and focused on the dad instead. Yep. I didn't like that. I thought they should have stuck with Steve Carell personally.
0: <sighs> I, my Everything you say makes sense to me. I just... <laughs> Like I said, this this movie is fine. It, yeah. it entertained me, but best picture? Mm, that's a hard no for me. Um, are you ready to go on to best scene? Uh, Yep, for me, it's easily... Uh, mm, <laughs> no, I'm, it's it's the diner scene with the ice cream.
1: Yeah, the diner scene with the ice cream is pretty good. Um, to play devil's advocate, if I have to pick a different one, I would say uh, the scene that we talked about earlier with Alan Arkin and Abigail Breslin, um, again, focusing on a lot of that body image stuff, Yep, yeah, the scene right before he dies <laughs> yeah uh,
0: alright the, what the fuck
1: oh oh! I just need to give a shout out to that one line the, the line that made me laugh hardest in Little Miss Sunshine before I move on to it and that's when she's on stage and she dedicates the show to her grandpa yeah. and then the, the host says and where's your grandpa now and she says in the trunk of our car oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I laughed my fucking ass off at that line Anyway, yep. okay, now I'm ready
0: to move on. <laughs> all right, the last movie that was nominated for Best Picture this year uh, was The Queen, uh, directed by Stephen Frears, written by Peter Morgan, uh, with a, the highest uh, metascore amongst all of them. It's a 91 metascore. Uh, the uh, plot synopsis, after the death of Princess Diana, Queen Elizabeth II struggles with her reaction to a sequence of, sequence of events nobody could have predicted. Um, start us off <gasps> here
1: for the record yeah. um just because i love making you feel old and just so our <laughs> listeners have an idea i am not old enough to remember princess diana i uh, she died in 1997 and yep. i was born in 1996 so i am not old enough to remember her unfortunately so I... maybe that contributes to this movie not hitting me quite as hard as i know it because i know you're a big fan of this movie and you had said you were excited to maybe not a big fan but i know you liked this movie and as did i but maybe it didn't hit me quite as hard as some other people, just because I wasn't around for the huge media circus that was the death of Princess Diana.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually the the year of this um, of this os- uh, of these Oscars. This is actually uh, one of the few times I hadn't seen all five Best Picture nominees, and this is the movie I missed. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Yep. I wasn't. Uh, I, I was just like, Meh, whatever. Um, so I re I watched it. I don't know, um, maybe a month or two ago, knowing that we were going to be doing it, um, and I was floored. I was like, holy fuck. This, The premise of the movie sounds so incredibly boring, but the performances throughout, especially Helen Mirren, made this movie just an absolute joy for me to watch. Granted, I have this... I'm kind of almost... uh, I have this fascination with the royal family. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't obsess over them. I don't follow them. But the idea of this royal family, these m- living, breathing kings and queens and princes and princesses that still exist and that they have all these rights and stuff for no other reason than the fact that they were born intrigues me
1: <laughs>
0: beyond belief. And for some reason, I still hold I, – I do. I I have no reason to, but I still do hold them in high regard. Um, And all the little tidbits I've heard about Queen Elizabeth II, everything about her that I heard about her leads me to believe that she is generally an amazing woman. Um, I did grow up with Princess Diana. I know, I can still, in my mind, I know exactly where I was when I heard about her death. I didn't have a huge attachment to Princess Diana, but when she did die, I was actually kind of shocked at how much it affected me. Rewatching this, it actually affected me even more. It really brought back into perspective just what a a great person that Princess Diana was. So seeing this story, and it's literally what over the course of just a couple weeks. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, there's a time jump, a few months in the head, but the bulk of this movie takes place over maybe a week.
0: Yeah, um, and it's all it is. It's just telling the story of how the. The royal family dealt with Princess Diana's death, which was very tragic and cut her life way too short. Um, I I really, I I really, it's it's stupid, and I have no reason to, but I really dug this movie, and it's basically on. It's basically it's all because of Helen Mirren; she's just riveting in this movie.
1: I mean, you say you have no reason to love this movie. It does have a 91 on Metascore, so you must be tapping into something that affected a lot of people. Yeah. and I completely agree that Helen Mirren is just an absolute force <sighs> in this movie. And she's—I a- mean, by all accounts, Queen Elizabeth as a person is just a formidable, intimidating person. I mean, she's been in this position. I don't even know. I know she's the longest tenured monarch ever. Yes. As far as England goes, I, I think it's in the 60s now, years. Yeah. Like I, I, she,
0: no. She's really been around? Fuck. Maybe even longer because, like, I, we know, like, I know that she was, um, she was, uh, when her father, brother, somebody abdicated the throne, so it was passed to her. Right. Um, I
1: think it was her dad, if I remember correctly. Yeah.
0: Um, No, no, uh, fuck. Whatever. Who cares? It's not a history lesson. But it was. It was during World War II. So we're talking the forties. So she's going into seventy years right now, currently. Yeah. uh,
1: During nineteen fifty-one, George the health declined, and uh, blah blah blah. Sorry, I'm on Wikipedia trying to find it. Yeah. At the very least, since the fifties.
0: Yeah. So fuck. That's. It's just fucking amazing to me. (laughs) Um, and I and. Full disclosure: When Queen Elizabeth II dies, I'm probably, I'm, I'm, It's probably going to hit me pretty hard.
1: Um, I
0: think it's going to hit a lot of people pretty hard, actually. Uh, I, 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 100% agree. Um, so, as we're talking about Helen, Helen Mirren, she won Best Actress. Um, I would, I, I really wish that we could get the voting results um, in the Academy Award because I, I'd, I'd have to say this was fucking a clean sweep, like.
1: Oh no doubt. This is, I mean,
0: who is she even up against?
1: Do you have that in front yeah, of you?
0: Yeah, I sure do. Um Penelope Cruz in Volver. Uh, I never saw it. I do not like Penelope Cruz, so I probably will never see it. <laughs> um basic uh Judy Dench, Notes on a Scandal. Never saw it. Uh but Judy Dench is probably rarely ever bad in anything. Then of course because it's the Academy Awards, Meryl Streep uh, is nominated for a Devil Wears Prada.
1: I'm not, I'm not even completely convinced she was in anything this year. I think they just put her name down on
0: the ballot. <laughs> and then uh, Kate Winslet for Little Children. And um, from what I remember, Kate Winslet was the one person that had the, the closest chance of knocking off Helen Mirren. Um, I haven't seen Little Children. I've heard it's like drop-dead amazing, um, but uh, I, I'd be honestly hard-pressed um for anyone to have knocked off helmer and the queen this is this is the kind of performance that people are going to be talking about decades later um the uh the only piece of trivia that i found even kind of even remotely interesting leads to cinematography um which funny enough this movie wasn't even nominated for um really? but, yeah oh
1: wow that's really surprising i actually. know there's some
0: really nice shots in this movie yeah. Um, but this, this is a, a, like a, a, a filming choice that I fucking loved. And you'll, I, as a film nerd, you'll love this. Uh, scenes within the royal houselo- household were shot on 35mm film, so they would look lush and cinematic. Scenes within Blair's world were shot on 16mm film, so they would look even more like television in order to give visual contrast between commoners commenters and royalty.
1: It's funny, I did, uh, I was going to bring this up actually, that yeah, a lot of the scenes with Blair, especially there's a lot of like crash zooms on his face, Yes, it, it feels like really grainy and like really old timey yeah. um, movies, I, w- I was going to point out that I, I thought it was probably on, uh, on film, which I guess it is, because uh, this is in the days, were movies shot digitally at all back in
0: 2006? Mm, I think they were starting to.
1: Yeah, but you could really notice the grain of the film and the scenes with Blair in particular. So yeah, I I can definitely see that. I'm also just looking up, I don't see a nomination um, for this movie for art direction, which as far as I know is set design now, right? Yeah. That's really surprising to me because a lot of the sets in this movie are just gorgeous. And there must have been some fantastic art design this year. All right, I think it's a uh, production design now is what it's called.
0: Yeah. Um, so the ones up for best art direction this year is actually uh, a, a fucking absolutely amazing ones. Um, mm. Pan's Labyrinth uh, by Guillermo del Toro. I don't think you've seen it. Um, no. I think you'd really like it. Um, Dream I've seen two of the movies on this list. I'm sure you know which. Dream Girls, The Good Shepherd, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and The Prestige. All great yeah. movies. I can see why these these five films got nominated. Over the Queen, though. <clears throat> um. The honestly, I don't I don't know which one that I could take off. Yeah. One hundred percent, the Winter *Pans Labyrinth*. No way that's getting taken off that list. That that movie is visually stunning. Yeah. Um. I haven't seen *Dreamgirls*, so I can't vote on that. But I, I saw all the sets from all the clips and stuff like that. Um. *The Good Shepherd* is probably the one that I could see being removed. Um, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are so visually stunning, and then the Prestige, same thing. Like I could, f- for me, the only one I could take off would be the Good Shepherd. But it's been so long since I've seen that movie, I I, I don't have a, a, a an educated opinion on it right now. That's, that's the fair. only that's the only one that I would take off in favor of the Queen, because the other four are definitely ahead of the Queen. <clears throat>
1: That's entirely fair. I was just really, that was one of the main things, one of the main attractions of this movie for me, outside of, of course, Helen Mirren's uh, behemoth performance was uh, a lot of the set design and the costuming and things like that was, was very, very pretty and, uh, and regal through a lot of it. And I thought it deserved some recognition, but apparently the Academy had other ideas. Yeah. Um,
0: I really also, um, oh, God, how sad is it? What's the problem? Oh, it's not even on the main page. How fucking stupid is that? Um, <laughs> the guy that played... Uh, Michael Sheen, that played, um, Tony Blair. Um, I really like this. Uh, like I said, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, mm-hmm. but it is basically off the back of Helen Mirren's performance. Um... I yeah, don't really but, know like I don't really know how much more to get into this movie it's not that I'm trying to not spoil it like it's it's not it's so funny like this movie's not really about anything
1: it's no it's really not and there's not really if I were to say it's about anything it's you know about the the fallout after uh princess diana's death and with uh Tony Blair recently taking over his p m it it's about their sort of battle for power in a in a world where we do still have the royal family and we do still have monarchs. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say there was even a real antagonist. I liked uh, Tony Blair um, and the actor who played him. Uh, I, I thought it was nice how they sort of had uh, him as sort of an antithesis to the queen, how in her house i mean everything is perfect she always has a butler she always has an outfit for every particular situation she always has someone tending to her every need And then you go to tony blair's house and he's just wearing a soccer jersey and he's <laughs> hanging out in his house and it's like in some rural area and they they had a nice uh there was there were, there was a nice contrast between the, between the two let's say
0: totally um yeah there's like, like i said there's not really much more to kind of discuss um favorite scene of the queen
1: Um, I would say it's the scene where the queen's uh, vehicle breaks down. uh, She gets to be alone for once. Because there's this this whole thing with, uh, as I mentioned, she always is attended to. She always has her butlers. She always has to have this royal facade. And she always has to be nice and tough. And A lot of this movie is about image. And it's about uh, the image that the queen and the royal family have to portray. Especially in the face of a death uh, as controversial as Princess Diana's. And there's a moment where she's out hunting and her vehicle breaks down. And she calls someone to come rescue her. And there's this beautiful wide shot of uh, of the valley where she's hunting. And she's completely alone. And she just breaks down and cries. And it's it's the second that she realizes that she's alone that she lets this whole tough Queen Elizabeth thing just slip away. And she bursts into tears. And I, that's, I think far and away my favorite scene in this movie uh,
0: that, I'm, I'm with you 100% I was wondering where you are going to go and you picked the <laughs> exact same one I did yeah Um for sure. <laughs> I yeah it was just such a, a it was just such a great performance I I, I, I absolutely loved it um, I wonder if I can <sighs> I want to see if, oh, there's a mm, damn it <sighs>
1: Something else you need?
0: Yeah, I, I want to find this quote, but I'm not going to be able to find it. Not a big deal. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. It's it, it, it's definitely, like I said, going into this movie, I had very low expectations, and I came out loving this movie. Yeah. Um, and that's all i got to say. So now we've talked about all five films. Now with 11 years retrospective. Even though for you, you've only seen this movie, uh, a lot of these watched movies all
1: these movies this week, <laughs> <laughs> except for the departed, which I've seen, uh, lots of times
0: rewatching these movies. They're now 11 years old. They've aged, which movie is now best picture for you, Samuel.
1: So are we doing what our favorite is or what best picture is or both? Cause I think for the last one, we did both, right?
0: Let's do both. Okay.
1: So for me, uh, my favorite of the bunch, easily the departed, it's not a contest, uh, but for the one that I think should be best picture, it is also The Departed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had you there for a second,
0: didn't I? I did. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> for me, my favorite of these five films is The Departed. Yes. My best picture winner, 11 years retrospective, is The Departed. This well, that is was not that a climactic for both I, of us. <laughs> I couldn't even. I, there's no way. Um, yeah. the other, the, honestly, the only one that would even give it a run for me would probably be, be, be the queen, um, because the queen's a really solid movie, but it, it's just, it's not on the it's same level the same as departed. And, and, the departed. And, and, and literally the, the, the queen is, o- is really only that good because of, um, the performance by Helen Mirren. Um, I yeah, did, for, I, think,
1: I, I mean, the Departed is just too enjoyable on too many levels where the queen is like, If it's Oscar season and the Queen's up for Best Picture and you watch it, you're going to be like, wow, that's a really good movie. Whereas I think The Departed, I think, is just enjoyable for anyone and everyone. And I could not recommend that movie enough.
0: I agree. The the Departed is the kind of movie that you're going to recommend other people to see. Absolutely. Um, Unless
1: they're opposed to swearing. (laughs) Right. Um,
0: I don't think any of these other four movies I would recommend people to see. Le- I, I think I would recommend people to see Little Miss
1: Sunshine. I I mean, the queen, I would recommend like, film buffs to see. 100%. Uh, but to like, so my friends who don't really watch movies?
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, If my friend asked for a recommendation on a movie to watch... And, and of course, the departed. and of course, when my when my friends ask me, I actually reply with about three or four more questions to kind of narrow down the field, so I can make a good recommendation
1: for them. Except in my case, when I had my wisdom teeth out and I needed some movie recommendations for my days off, and you gave me a list of fucking forty.
0: Yeah, but you you asked for for you asked for some movie recommendations. My f- I didn't know I had to narrow it down that much. My friend, when my friends contact me, there it's usually that night. They're like, hey, hey, Manny, I. I what movie should I watch tonight? So it's, I'm, they need one. yeah. And I usually, I usually narrow it down to about – I usually give them a little choice. of. I try to keep it less than five, f- yes. five at the most. <laughs> um, so we have five movies here. I'm only going to recommend one. Um, okay. But, yeah, The Queen I would only really recommend for film buffs or, or people that are looking for a fantastic performance from a woman. Um, little Miss Sunshine is – if someone's looking for a quirky comedy, great pick. Um, Letters from Iwo Jima, if somebody's looking for a war film and wants to see something different – that's where I go with Letters from Iwo Jima and Babel. I would never recommend anybody to watch ever. There's nothing that would ever make me watch make someone watch that movie.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if you had a lobotomy or something like that, if it's, you needed something.
0: <laughs> fuck boring that. To watch. Fuck, fuck that movie.
1: <laughs> I find it hilarious how much you dislike that movie. Oh, by the a... way, I just I wanted to point this out before I forget yeah. because I was looking in uh, best foreign language film for this year just to see uh, if Iwo Jima won it. It wasn't even nominated, actually. I wonder why that is.
0: Because uh, foreign language film is actually films that are um, produced outside of the United States.
1: Yeah, because see, I know that now this category is called Best Foreign Film, right? Yes. Because, yeah, back then it was called Best Foreign Language, so I wasn't too sure. But I wanted to give a shout out to the winner of that movie, The Lives of Others, from Germany. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Nope. It's... Fucking fantastic. It's really, it's about a, a Stasi uh, a police officer in East Germany who's uh, hired to spy on a uh, screenwriter.
0: Oh, and fuck. I have heard of that movie. I heard it's, it's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it's really fucking good. God I would damn. highly, highly recommend that movie.
0: Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's Sam and I's uh, opinions on the 79th Annual Academy Awards. Um, like I said, in my opinion, easily, easily the weakest of uh of the last 10 years for sure i
1: promise we'll shit on the nominees less in upcoming episodes oh 100
0: like there's (laughs) there's some years coming up that i'm fucking pumped to talk about just like lat like the 80th was so much fun the other ones coming up there's some really great ones coming up and i'm looking forward to it should
1: we list uh the movies for the 78th i have them in front of me
0: sure we're 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 a month we're a month away from doing it so we
1: usually do this One every month, we'll talk about the Oscars going in reverse order. But next is the 78th Academy Awards from uh, Movies Made in 2005. The ceremony would have been in 2006. The winner being Crash against uh, Brokeback Mountain, Capote, Good Night and Good
0: Luck, and Munich. I won't reveal my opinions, but there's one movie on that list that I'm not a fan of.
1: I think I know which one it is. And I know there's one movie that you are a huge fan of on that list. Um, but we will obviously get to that uh, a month from now.
0: There's actually, I'll, I'll as a teaser right now. There's three movies on that list that I fucking love. There's one that I don't like that much, and there's one that I think is actually is fairly is fairly decent and actually a pretty good movie. But there's three that I love.
1: And as an extra cliffhanger, I have not seen any of them, so I have
0: no opinions. <laughs> not
1: one of them. Not one of them. This is the first year we've encountered that I haven't seen a single
0: one. Oh, so I five new movies. Fuck! I can't wait. We're doing this next week. Get on it. All right. Um, So that wraps us up for this week um, for the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. I am Manny Manuel. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.